Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert, Experts on Expert. I'm Dan Shepard, and I'm joined by one of two mice. Oh, no. You'll find out in the fact that's check. That's a foreshadow. Yeah, that's an Easter egg. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say one of two Monicas. Also one of two Monicas. <laughs> this is the episode where to distinguish our Monica Padman from our guest, Monica Aldama, yeah. I had to use all your nicknames. That's right. And what was really fun about that was they're so weird. Like if she's, you just, I kept imagining her, right? Like then I call you a sex chinchilla at some point. You call me sex chinchilla. The last one <laughs> I won't spoil, okay. but you really go out on a limb. <laughs> yeah, so there's a fun game within this. In fact, if anyone's going to listen to this in the evening, that could be a fun drinking game. Oh, yeah. Every time I give one of Monica's nom de plures, is that it? I don't know, uh, I've never second, heard that. You know, a covert name or whatever. Yeah. Alias. Most importantly, Monica Eldama. I'm sure you fell in love with her watching Cheer on Netflix. Uh, impossible not to. Uh, Monica Eldama is a cheerleading coach who has led her team to 14 national championships. Crazy. So cool. <sighs> I wonder if there's any coach, that I'd, I'd be curious to know, in collegiate Sports. Who is that uh, acclaimed? Yeah, who's won 14. Decorated? Yes, yes. Accolades coming out of her wazoo. I love calling it decorated. Oh, yeah. It sounds military. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't sound military to me. It sounds um, fancy, like oh. jewels. Oh, decorated. adornment. Yeah. It, to me, I always hear like a decorated soldier. A decorated, oh, yeah. A toy, you know, de yeah. twice decorated. I don't even know what. <laughs> people can be twice decorated, <laughs> Two right? times decorated. Yeah, 3X decorated. <laughs> gains. <laughs> oh, gains. Uh, she has a new book out. That's what we're here to talk about. Full Out, Lessons in Life and Leadership from America's Favorite Coach. This was a super fun interview. It's as much about Monica Aldama as it is about our Monica, the sex chinchilla, <laughs> a.k.a. Monica Padman, a.k.a. one of two mice. Ugh. Please enjoy Monica Aldama. Okay, when did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Well, let's just say I'm a weirdo and I want to be messy and see what you're up to, like who you're hanging with. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. I knew you did that. <laughs> no, I did not do that. <laughs> I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends and then use that money any place Apple Pay is accepted. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Monica, please keep it in the chat. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC, terms apply. We are supported by Celebrity Cruises. I know what you think. As long as you're on vacation, you're happy. But the truth is, some vacations are better than others. And there's one that's better than all of them. Celebrity Cruises. With rooms, food, and service like theirs, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And you won't have to with all the places Celebrity goes. They even have weekend Caribbean escapes if you're short on time. So visit Celebrity.com, contact your travel advisor, or call 1-800-CELEBRITY and see why nothing comes close to Celebrity Cruises. Ships Registry, Malta, and Ecuador. He's an I wanted to say Monica, meet Monica. Why don't you call me Padman for it? Okay. I have so many other names for you. I might dance around all kinds of names. This is the most exciting interview of our life. 
This is definitely proportionally like this is Monica's show. Just so you know, like you're looking at a fucking two time state champion right here, Monica. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's a big deal. I just finished season two of Cheer and I am standing up watching so many mirror neurons are happening when I'm watching those competitions, like especially the like two seconds before the music starts and they're on the mat. I just know it. I just know that feeling so well. It's awful. I don't even know why we do this. Like Monica and I's biggest debates of last year were about Cheer season one. We were gonna watch it together, but then time crunch, she just had to blow through that second season. So I'm kind of behind the mark on the second one. But I gotta say my first big argument was like, why do y'all think you don't have to wear helmets in practice? Like, it's fucking insane. Like, no NFL team would let their fucking students practice with no pads and helmets. I have bought a few things that, like, protect the nose and the head. How about just even those padded little helmets you can wear? Yeah. I bought those before. I bought it for, like, when we're throwing the girls up and they're flipping. And That's the only person I need. The flyer. That's all I need in it. But they don't really like it because it throws off their, like, equilibrium. Exactly. Psychosomatic. No, it's not. It's real. It's Listen, real. hockey players said the same bullshit. They said we can't play with the face shield. Race car drivers said they can't drive a car with Hans devices. Like, listen, I went and got it. I also went and bought a little kid's, like, football thing that has some pads in it to protect their ribs. I've tried it all. I have it. They're welcome to use it. But a lot of times they just don't like to a use it. A true cheerleader so. would never wear that <laughs> shit. Guys, I'm just telling you, this is the exact same argument that has been used in every other sport. Like, literally, hockey couldn't be done with a good helmet on. And all these other sports couldn't be done. But this is literally aerodynamics. Like, you're flipping your body in the air. Check this out. This is like training at elevation. Monica, you're a 14-time champion. I'm about to tell you how this works. Let me mansplain okay. this to you. Okay, <laughs> so the athletes, the high flyers, the Monicas, you're looking at a high flyer, <laughs> often caught by the vagina, but we're not even going to talk about that. I don't want to ensnare you in anything, but she's been caught by the pussy many times. Now listen, you wear the helmet. It's that little soft one. We're looking at maybe ounces. We're not looking at a pound. So if you can learn to do it all with that tiny bit of extra weight up there, when you pop it off, it's like second gear. It's like training at elevation, then coming down to sea level, it's another spring in your step. I mean, I agree. Until the rules tell us it's a requirement, they don't. And I was just going to use it for practice. I don't want it in the competition. <laughs> I just want it in practice. Got it. Okay, got it. What they've done in football, as you would know more than anyone, is they've kind of stopped full contact practices because they're like, yeah. okay, we accept the risk of the game, but why would we do that all week long between every game as well, which I think is smart. For football, for sure. Well, you can't do that in cheerleading. If you don't actually do all that intricate work, you will definitely not hit it when you just give it a try at the competitions. So let's go back to that two seconds because there are several sports that are more or less mind sports. And I got to imagine being able to steady oneself two seconds before the music comes on how do you get gals through that? And guys, is it just repetition? Oh, 100% repetition. At least my coaching style. This is me as a coach. Not everybody has the same plan of action, but we do a lot of practice to learn the skills. And then when we learn our routine and decide what skills we're going to do and stuff, it takes a lot of repetitions to be able to even go from the beginning to the end and actually hit it. And then it takes a lot of repetitions to make it consistent. And so the goal is 
that your muscle memory always kicks in and you know how to make it through the weird stuff, the bad stuff, or if your mind just leaves you because that happens too sometimes. The music's about to start and you have no idea what the first thing is, but you're just praying that your body does it. It's like a play, like when the curtain opens, are you going to forget your first line? Yeah, and so hopefully the repetitions help us to perfect it, but it also builds that muscle memory. So for me as a coach, when the music's about to come on, you know, it's frightening because I have no control. I've done my job. I've done my part. It's up to them. All I can do is watch and just pray for the best. And for them, it's scary because they're about to get one shot at something they've put months and months of work into. But hopefully the repetitions have built their confidence and their muscle memory that, you know, can carry them through. If they're only landing it three out of 10 times, you're not taking that routine, I imagine to the tournament. You're, you're going to have to kind of peel back some of the features of it. So what threshold do you need where you're like, okay, we can do it? Well, I mean, it just depends on, like, if we have a full out that hits zero, meaning we have no deductions. I mean, we want a pretty high percentage, but it might be if we don't hit zero five out of 30, then those five, it might have been one time one person made this mistake and then another time a different person made a mistake. Now, if the same person or if the same mistake is happening, that's when you definitely want to make a change. But, you know, when we're practicing, like when we're doing a pyramid, for example, once we've learned it, then we might go in and go, okay, we're going to do 10 reps. Let's just see what our starting point is. How many can we hit out of 10? And honestly, sometimes the first time we try that, it might be one, <laughs> one out of 10. And then, you know, we try again and then it becomes three out of 10 and then it becomes five out of 10 and then becomes seven out of 10 and then it becomes 10 out of 10. So if we can't ever get to that point with certain skills, then we definitely want to change the skills or before we even try to put it in a routine. I guess that's a better question. Like when they walk out on stage, how often does it go perfect? I would say at least 75% or higher. Damn. You have to. Hopefully it's more like 90 or, you know, yeah. and, uh, but like I said, it's normally not the same mistake. So if you're looking at a mistake that we made, it might be one out of those full outs or else we would make a change. So Duchess of Duluth, that's code. That's one of many things you're going to hear. So I grew up in Duluth, Georgia, and I went to Duluth High School. And in 2004 and 2005, I was on the competition team and we won state both years. I just think there's nothing else I've experienced in life that has been as defining as that experience. Georgia has good cheerleading, so I'm sure y'all were probably really good. Yeah, I mean, occasionally someone gets caught by the wrong body part, but Stop. shit, we just roll right through the It happens, it happens sometimes. It's a rough sport. <laughs> but I was gonna ask you, Duchess, directors, they come into a TV show, there's 14 actors on the show. There's never ever consensus, right? There's always like 10 actors love this director, four hate, because we all have different approaches we appreciate. When you're watching Monica, are you having like fantasies of what it would have been like to be? Coached by? Yeah. Of course, but also what I thought was interesting is after the first season, there was so much like, Monica's so tough. Like they were making you out to be this extremely tough, kind of hard ass, coach, which I guess in some ways you are, but I was like, that's standard if you're good or if your team is good. I think it was because I was a female. Like, nobody's going to say anything to a football coach about having expectations and wanting you to be great. It was really shocking to me. Oh, what a great fucking observation, yeah. man. Did people tweet you mean things? Oh, yeah. And this season's been even better. Woo! Oh, <laughs> God. Oh, 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 man. 
Welcome to the party. I'm there. Two years strong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's an interesting thing that we'll definitely have to talk about because uh, the beginning of season two talks a lot about this rise to fame. But yeah, anyway, so my coach was also a female. We had two female coaches. Shout out Kelly Halcom. I'm sure this will be the only episode, if any, that she listens to. (laughs) And she was a badass. Like, she pushed us so hard and taught us that we could do things we didn't think we could do. I started out as an alternate on the team because I didn't have a tuck. And I worked so fucking hard for that. And I got it. And I just remembered the day. And she would push me, you know, do it again, do it again, do it again. And I'm like, I'm bleeding. I am bleeding. I cannot do it again. I can't imagine coaching you, by the way. She's the most <laughs> insolent human being on planet Earth. <laughs> no, I'm not. I think whatever that is, is from those years of being like, I know I'm capable of doing things I didn't think I could achieve. I just feel so grateful for that experience. I wish everyone could have it because it's really something special. It's character building. Absolutely. It teaches you so many things just about being a responsible adult that can be successful in your job or whatever. You're committed to other people, to a team. It's not an individual sport. And with that comes a lot of responsibility. I think what's amazing is when you hit, it actually feels like magic because it requires every single person. It's a machine. Everyone's a cog. Everyone's a cog and everyone's doing it perfectly. I mean, the chances of that happening are really rare. Yeah, they're only 75%. (laughs) If Monica's your coach. But you know what I mean? (laughs) Yes, I do. Well, I was going to ask you this Exactly what you just said about committing to your little community or your team. This is very much a Coach Carroll thing when we interviewed him, Pete Carroll. This has got like three tenants, right, if you're on the Seahawks. And like number one is like teams number one. Like that's above so many of the other things you might think of first. What do you do with your athletes who have come from a family, and I imagine there's many of them, where they learn the hard way that their self-sacrifice will not be reciprocated. It will, in fact, be taken advantage of. They know one thing to be true, and that's not to sacrifice themselves because the other people aren't going to meet them there. Yeah, I mean, it takes sometimes a gentle hand and, like, patience. You can't expect everyone to be the same right when you get here. It's a journey, and everyone needs a little something different. Some people just need time to, like, trust the process and know that they're going to get there. And not everybody makes it through. I mean, that's rare, but sometimes you're not made for the team sport. (laughs) You know, you're just not cut out and you're not going to change. Well, you have to be a clutch performer. You have to be Jordan and the buzzer. Like there's no room for the guy that can just play great 80% of the time and be outstanding. Correct. And you know, it just takes patience. It takes trust. Obviously we all want to win. That's why we work so hard, but you're going to come out a better person. And that's our goal at the end of the day. Yeah, if I were you, I would have this temptation to point out to them that whether you win or lose, the thing that you'll actually carry with you for the rest of your life is having shared that whole thing with these people that you all tried your hardest with without de-incentivizing victory. So how do you walk that line of like keeping their mind healthy and what this is and also keeping their eye on the ball? Well, keeping their eye on the prize is not hard because these are kids that have come from very competitive backgrounds. They want it badly. Very few people come in that we have to push their work ethic. I mean, they usually rise to the occasion. And nothing's better than being around great people. It makes you better. Yeah. Iron sharpens iron. They're pushing each other and... 
they are the best where they come from, but then suddenly someone's better than them. So the work ethic is normally easy. The veterans on the team are really good at keeping the other aspect of that in, which is like, there's a bigger purpose. And like sometimes people even leave and they come back because there's something missing at other places that's not here. How do people come back? I was a little logistically confused by that because it's a college, but it seems like some people have been there for like six years. Good for them. Okay, that is definitely the big question. Are there doctors on your team that are <laughs> taking the eight year? They have the PhD for sure. No, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so with college cheerleading, you get five years of eligibility. Three of those can be used at the junior college level. But what has happened is cheer was filmed right before a pandemic hit. So what people don't understand is like a lot of things have happened that have affected the eligibility. Number one, our season in 2020, when these kids came back, our season got canceled. So nobody used any eligibility. Well, then this year in 2021, everyone got a COVID season, just like with football. So like my daughter's fiance plays college football and he graduated, but yet had another year of eligibility. So he's there just as an athlete. So he graduated in December of 2020 and then decided to enroll in the graduate program so he could use his one more year of eligibility. Could he have just been there as solely an athlete? If he hadn't gone to graduate school, but he wanted to use his year of eligibility? I know cheerleading rules. I don't really know the football rules. But with cheerleading, some of these people that you met in cheer season one, that was the only year of eligibility they've even used. Now that we're in 2022, there's going to be an opportunity to now use another year. But we had two years go by where one, they didn't even compete at all. Mm -hmm. And then the second was a COVID year. So yes, it's definitely like confusing to people that don't understand. But like we're a junior college, so you consider that a two-year school. But really, that's if you're taking 15 hours and you don't get off track at all. You know, we're definitely following the eligibility requirements. Oh, sure. I never questioned (laughs) that, but I just thought maybe the requirements were like you could just keep coming back forever. Like I was confused. By like that. the guys that come back to high school after they left. You're like, oh, do they do yeah, that? That's it's a, a bummer. Thing. It's always a bummer. Okay, so I have a question, Monica. Obviously, there's a lot of these teams, and forgive me for I'm always running it through the filter of these male sports, and I'm sure that's mildly offensive. Cheerleading is also a male sport. That's true. That was also <laughs> offensive. So I got a double whammy offense. <laughs> I'll give the example of Kobe and I'll give the example of Michael Jordan and I'll give the example of Tom Brady where they take on a role of the team as the leader of the team. And in those three cases, the union of their talent and their mental prowess as leaders happened to sync up nicely. And I do wonder from your point of view, as you're looking at this squad, I wonder, A, do you have leaders? Do you try to nurture and condition leaders to help? And then two, is there any correlation? Because clearly someone could be the most physically apt, yet they might just get frustrated with everyone else and be a terrible leader. So how do you identify it, cultivate, and nurture that aspect? Yeah, I think definitely talent does not equal leader, for sure. I know that for a fact. I think people usually are natural leaders, and they kind of rise to the occasion. A lot of times, the new people on the team are a little bit quieter, but they have leaders within their class that are kind of helping like, hey, we need to step it up or whatever, and they're more vocal. And then we have our veterans who've been here, they've been through the process, and you have your natural leaders. Sometimes people like to hear themselves talk, and I have to remind them, like, listen, we don't always have to say— you ever met someone like that, Monica? Never. (laughs) That's probably why I'm attracted to being your friend, because, yes, there's always someone on the team who you're like, we get it. Like, we get it. You can stop. People are going to always respect those natural leaders. And my biggest— 
biggest thing is just to lead by example. Like you don't even have to use your voice. You use your actions. How do your kids feel about you doing that job? Because you essentially have so many children and you have actual children. And I always wonder how the actual children feel. Well, you know, they don't know any different because I've been doing this job since before I had kids. And then I also owned a gym I, for some reason, am crazy and like to work a lot. I don't know. <laughs> well, and you got an MBA, so you're kind of like, I got to fucking, I got to make this thing walk a little bit. Well, I thought I was just going to be here temporarily. Like, I never had a plan of coaching ever. Like, I was definitely going to go into the business world. I had a finance degree. I love numbers. I kind of pictured myself like Wall Street doing that whole thing in the finance industry and just happened that a friend of mine worked here and I hated the job that I had. So he called me and he was like, hey, come apply for this job. Our cheerleading coach is leaving. And I was like, okay, I guess. And so I did. And, you know, here I am 27 years later. Wow. I'm still here, but so it wasn't the plan. This is wonderful because Monica, oh, I'm sorry, Sex Chinchilla has an amazing oh. <laughs> quote, which is, love what loves you back. And I have a similar different angle, which is like, stay flexible. So you are like the prototype of this because someone called you and then that led to 26 yeah. years of coaching. And then someone knocked on the door and said, hey, we'd love to document this. And now you're on this other fucking fantastical journey. And it's pretty wild. That is not to say you haven't worked your ass off. I'm just saying that is someone who's like, recognizes when something falls in their lap and capitalizes. Yeah, I mean, I'll always be a business person in my soul. Like that's, I think, why I'm successful because I looked at it as a business and I looked at the score sheet. I looked at the numbers. I really worked backwards on, let's start with, we want to win. How do we do that? We need the most points. How do we get the most points? We have a score sheet. Let me analyze this thing. And so I really looked at it from that perspective. I didn't look at it from, oh, what's the hardest stunt we can do? I like analyzed how we were going to get there. You moneyballed yeah. it. Yes. And then, of course, I never dreamt in 10 million thousand years that when I was approached about this docuseries that I would be here. But I just was proud of the team. Oh, yeah, sure. This is great. Yeah, come show our work ethic. I mean, cheerleading has a stereotype. So I didn't think anyone would watch cheer except people in the cheer community. And so we were not prepared for the craziness that happened after or has happened since then. I mean, the good and the bad, the love and the hate. <laughs> and that's actually what I kind of want to talk. I mean, the knock on the door and then you say yes to something and then you're just on this radically different path. And again, most people that come to LA, they have given some amount of thought to what it'll be like to be famous and their level of anonymity going down. And whether or not they were right or wrong with their prediction, which by the way, they're all wrong, they at least were thinking of that. The fact that you then were on Dancing with the Stars and now you have a great book and you're everywhere promoting, it's like, these are fucking radical things to be happening in such a short time window. Yeah, like I said, we weren't prepared. Thankfully, we survived it because nobody warned us. But it's been a lot of great opportunities and a lot of negative that I wasn't ready for that I've gotten used to. So here we are. And yeah, I used to try to employ all these strategies like, uh, you know, if they're talking shit about you, that means people are paying attention. You know, like all these, other my end result is like, I'm not allowed to read a damn thing. <laughs> I'm too sensitive. You like could say 600 beautiful things and then you point out that my nostrils are heterogeneous. That's all I think about for three hours. I don't have the makeup for it. Listen, I was shocked. People like just email me, DM me, comments on my Instagram. Like the emails would crack me up. Like you legit went and found my email and sent me this email 
that said that I chewed too much gum. It was from my hair to my clothes to the gum that I chewed to you name it. Someone either wanted to help me make my hair better because it looked terrible or... Oh, my God. That's what every woman wants to hear is that her hair You know, or I got the ones that said I was a effing psychotic bitch. But I would also say you must have conversely gotten ones that's like, I want to marry you. I'm in love with you. You're the greatest thing in the world. So it's like both sides are insane, right? And never the tween shall meet. There's not one comment that's like, enjoyed it, hope to see another. Here's the funny thing, and I know you haven't watched Cheer Season 2, so get your popcorn ready. Oh, I'm going to tonight. I'm going to watch it with my daughters. It's a lot, okay? It's It's a lot. It's much more intense than the first season. Good. I live for intense. Well, yeah, it was a rough couple years, so... I will say this, my husband in one of the scenes reads some of the mean, basically like a reading of the mean tweets type thing. Because of that, I actually have gotten so many people that have reached out to me that I'm like, hey, I just wanted to be one of the positives. So I've gotten a lot of love back probably because of that, but it's crazy. Like I've gotten to where I don't even read it. Like when show first came out, I was like, oh, let me, let me search the hashtag. And then I was like, oh God, this is scary. Like I don't want to know all that. But it's irresistible to have put six months of your life into a project and not check in with how that was received. Like you'd be almost insane to not endeavor down that path. But boy, quickly on that path, you realize there's like boogeymen popping out every couple trees. Yeah, it was shocking. But like I said, now that I'm two years into it, I've gotten a lot thicker skin and I've gotten smarter about just keeping my mental health in a good place. Like, I'm just not even going to read some of this stuff because I did read all of it the first season and I was like, whoa, this is a lot. But when they email me, like I got one the other day. I actually laughed. I actually sent it to my family because I was like, this one's really wild. It said a bunch of really ugly stuff to me and then it said, I think you're a biological male. It said some other stuff too, but I won't share, but it was really Well, isn't it funny that like the biggest burn for young men to one another is you look like a woman or you're acting like a woman and then a big burn for women between women is you look like a man. It's like the whole paradigm is is (laughs) fucked. Okay, go ahead. No, I was just thinking about the (laughs) (laughs) stunts. Is there like one moment you want to geek out on? Well, no, I mean, in high school, there's a lot of rules. So you can't do like multi-level stunts and stuff like that. And so it's so fun to watch college cheerleading and all-star cheerleading. My coach has a all-star gym, Cheer and Dance Atlanta, Jayhawks. And I also worked there before I moved to LA. I worked at the front desk for a while and also like Janitorial work? Well, sometimes it required that. But like workshops and stuff, like I would like fly in those for her. But it's just such a different level of skill. And I was just thinking about those types of stuff. How impressed. Yeah, how impressed. So I want to ask, like, isn't there the normal trajectory in your sport where you would have been probably at this point headhunted to go to a four-year university and do this? Or did those schools not have programs? Or what has kept you at that school? I mean, I have had somebody reach out to me in the past, but the thing about it is I don't think the cheerleading department is probably priority number one for a lot of universities. A lot of universities have cheerleading under student activities and spirit programs. Like ours is under athletics, so we're truly treated just like any other sport. We have all the things that any other sport has. You can give out scholarships and stuff, I don't know. Yes, and I think a lot of schools do give out scholarships. Were you ever approached by those 
actors who put their kids through school, they ever mock up some photos of high flyers, send them to you and say, we'll give you 80 grand if you give her a scholarship letter in? I've not been bribed, but I, I do get sent a lot of like, my child is the best and yeah. Sure. I don't have any plans of coaching beyond this school. I've said before, like when I decide to retire from coaching, I see myself going into the business world. Well, you're going to. That's very <laughs> obvious to everyone who well, has. Well, unless she coaches forever. The last line, of, well, oh, that's oh, yeah, well, spoiler it's not really alert. a spoiler, but yeah. at the end of oh, this season I'm going to plug my ears. <laughs> no, no get says, it out there. Get it out there. That's the lead to conversation. They just ask her, are you coming back or how long will you do this? And she just says like, cheerleading, it'll get you. And it really will. Like, I even when I worked at the front desk, I was like, I could do this for a long time. Just be in this world, live in the world. It's so alluring. Obviously, Lily Padman was other because she was an Indian girl in a small white town. And I wonder if that was the first time you felt like not just accepted, but integral and the skill set was undeniable and you did the things that you had to do and it was like quantifiable. I can't even make an argument that I'm not valued here. Yeah, for mm. sure. Yes, it's undeniable. That's exactly. a check mark in my book. Like, yes, I'm good. Yes, I'm worthy. I belong. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by BetterHelp. Listen, I understand that sometimes you want to keep things to yourself, process your emotions in your own time. But if you keep everything bottled up, it can have some serious consequences. I have therapy on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it. I had therapy this morning. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and it put me in the greatest mood. We had a long, big day, and I just felt much better for having Because you were, some... not to out you, you were a little grumpy going in. I was. I was. I was to be Rob and I received some texts this Yeah, I was locked morning. out of my therapy setting, which is this attic. <laughs> But then you felt much better after. I felt much better. And I even made some apologies. Um, talking things out can be so helpful. And if you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend therapy. Check out BetterHelp if you've been thinking of trying therapy. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for any reason for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Dax today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Dax. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you, uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah. Easy peasy? So easy. The best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. We are supported by ZipRecruiter. Are there some fantastic concerts coming to your city this summer? Mine too. In fact, Anderson Pack's playing at the Hollywood Bowl. I can't wait for Ooh, it. Ooh, that's exciting. 
If you want to be sure to see your favorite artist, you need to jump on it right away. I've already DM'd him saying, yes, I got to be in that front row. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. It's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. So what's the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Got your eye on a rock star candidate? ZipRecruiter's invite to apply feature lets you cut the line. Once you review ZipRecruiter's list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply to encourage them to apply sooner. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So, Monica, what do you think now in retrospect? You probably know better now than back then. What were you in search of when you committed yourself to that? I imagine you're ex-cheerleader, right? Yeah, so cheerleading is way different. How old are you, Monica? 34. Okay, so cheerleading has evolved tremendously, which is great. So back in my day... I graduated high school in 90, so I cheered in the 80s. Fuck, you look incredible. That's before me. <laughs> Thanks. She put out a skincare line. Anyways. Omega-3, a bunch of omega three. <laughs> so cheerleading. So when I was in high school or back even younger, all-star cheerleading did not exist. For those that don't know cheerleading, it's like club baseball. You know, the little teams that you can go and be on that are not a part of a school. So... I did gymnastics, and that's really all you had unless you were cheering in school. So when I was younger, I talked to my parents into putting me in gymnastics because I was flipping around the house. That's all I ever wanted to do. And so I did gymnastics, and then when I got old enough to try out for middle school cheerleader, I did that. So I cheered through school. I still did tumbling at the gymnastics place, but I I stopped doing, like, bars, beam, and all of that when I got into high school. I didn't continue that. I just did cheerleading. And... When I graduated high school, that was kind of the start of all-star cheerleading when I first heard of it. And what it did, though, is it built this incredible talent of people who were coached from not just their science teacher that needed to be the sponsor of the cheer squad, but they were actually coached by former cheerleaders with knowledge and skills that could teach them all these great things. And basically from There's mommy and me classes, and Mm -hmm. you can go and compete at three years old on a little mini team. And so it just created this incredible talent of cheerleaders and opened up this world of competitive cheerleading where you're competing multiple, multiple times throughout the year versus when I was in school, if you went to more than one, you were lucky. But it's just way different now. I would have absolutely loved to have been able to do all-star cheerleading, but I definitely lived through all these other kids' experience. What do you think, like, emotionally you were in search of that this career has given you or you found irresistible? It's so hard to explain. Monica will understand this, but there's just something about it. And probably if you love a sport you feel the same way no matter what the sport is, but being competitive and competing in something that you absolutely love, it's a passion you really can't explain to someone who hasn't done that. And, you know, I think that's why you see these tough men crying at the end of their last college football game because they know that if they're not playing in the NFL, this is the end. 
like I said, I didn't plan on coaching. I didn't plan on being in cheerleading, but I loved it so much. I'm very, very competitive. Like, if we're going to play a game, I'm all in. Same with Maximum Mouse. Like, you, you, she and I's worst fights we've ever had are playing board games. You would have been a great cheerleader for this same oh, reason. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. I wanted to hear that. I wanted to say the only touchstone I have with this world is I dated this gal, Candace, who they won the Nationals, and then she was a Takati. What's that? The beer. I think they sponsored oh. all those first big events. They were like the Budweiser of racing, I think. But anyways, I met her at the Groundlings, and then when we would get drunk, she'd get in the backyard, and I've never been so scared in my life. I would beg her not oh, to. she was She flip. would just start to running as fast as she could, she'd be in the air and then whipping across the backyard. Everyone's hammered. <laughs> she pulled it off every time. That muscle memory. <laughs> yeah, it's there. Even when she was inebriated, that shit was still. Listen, I'm telling you, it's just the adrenaline rush of being thrown in the air or tumbling just gets you. But are you someone who desires control? You're already nodding your head. So we got three <laughs> control freaks here. <laughs> I know why I have control issues. Do you have an explanation or a genesis for your desire for control? Did you have a wild household? Was it chaotic? No, no. I think I feel better when I know that I can control a situation. But the funny thing is, I'm also kind of a fly by the seat of my pants type person. Like, if my husband says, let's go to Las Vegas this weekend, I'll be like, nah, I don't have anything to do, let's go. But at the same time, my work, I like to know what I've got every weekend. I like to be in control of everything. And unfortunately, when you're competing, you have no control at all. So it's a love-hate relationship. You're out of control mostly. But that's why it's so alluring because you can get it for moments. And when you do, you feel like you've conquered everything. Like you shouldn't have control when you're flipping around in the air. Like you should be flopping around and falling. But if you can control that experience, you feel- Controlled chaos. Yeah. But what you guys have, which is fortunate for both of you is, which none of the sports I did taught me this. You do have to trust people uniquely in this sport. Very maybe much. more than any other, than maybe like a quarterback or something. Like you really got to turn your life over to these people. And I guess maybe that's a really profound element of it that's probably makes you grow. I was going to ask you, Monica, could you name how many people? So your husband, he can say, let's go to Vegas. And you're like, fuck, I didn't plan this, but I'm going to get in the passenger seat. How many people in your life could you count that you're willing to get in the passenger seat with? Well, uh... <laughs> <laughs> your husband? <laughs> My family. I mean, I have a small group of friends because I like my friend group small. Easier to control. Yeah, I say in my book, I'd rather have four quarters than 100 pennies. I like that. What about 100 quarters, though, if you could have everything? <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about this thing that this will be a tricky one to talk about? I'm going to start with that I have very little knowledge about it. But to my understanding, my very favorite athlete on the last season, the one I like most wanted to hug all the time, got into trouble. I don't even know that's the right thing to say because there's victims, I imagine, involved. Yep. Underage sexual thing, is that what I come to understand? Yeah. You're anonymous. Now you're famous as fuck. This is exciting. Oh, now there's a season two. Oh my God, now there's this thing. Clearly we've got to address this. I have no experience guiding the viewer through this thing being called on to make this somehow make sense to us? Like, what was your anxiety level about just, look how much anxiety I have just even asking you Emotionally, about Emotionally, Yes, because you must have own. loved Jerry. He was uh, the most lovable character on the first season. Yeah, I mean, slippery slope, because of course, I love him with all my heart, but we were all shocked and devastated. 
and dealing with our own emotions. And I think it is tough in the public's point of view. You are damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. And of course, we want to be respectful of victims. And they definitely address it in season two. And I felt like that was necessary. And especially to open up a platform for anyone who has been abused to come forward and talk about it, to make everything safer and better for the future. That's something all of us want. I mean, that's half the hate that I get. Yeah. yeah. Gotten hate since it came out as if somehow I should have known. And I'm like, I don't even look at my husband's phone. Like, I trust him. Like, why would I be looking through their Snapchats? This is very uncomfortable for people, but I do want to remind everyone, this is actually the signature sign of intelligence, which is holding two opposing or conflicting feelings, emotions, thoughts. That is a sign of intelligence. You should aspire to having two conflicting views in your head and trying to make peace and understand that. So mine is like, I love Jerry. And I'm a survivor of sexual abuse, right? So... I have a no tolerance policy, obviously, and I have a super huge radar for it that most people don't have. But I can say this, it's a sad story everywhere. No one wants, no one goes to the supermarket and picks out their sexual desire to be children. I don't fight the desire to be engaged with young people. Thank fucking God I fight the desire for other things and I fail at that sometimes. So that's not something anyone's picking first and foremost. Secondly, it could also be very, very lovable and very fucking damaged and also poor fucking victims. Like the whole thing is fucking sad. That's kind of my position on it. Yeah, it's been one of the hardest things to maneuver through. And that's why I almost feel like I can't even like talk about it because I feel like I'm not allowed to have emotions about it. It's viewed as I'm not sympathetic for any victims, which is of course not true. I mean, Anybody in their right mind wants our children to be protected. I'm a mother. I would fight through anything for my children. And by the way, I think also people get a little confused that you can have compassion and punishment. Those are not mutually exclusive things. So I can say, Jerry, man, you got to take whatever's coming your way. And I can be really bummed that Jerry's in this situation. It's not an excuse. It is a all-encompassing processing of this very complicated thing. Yeah. And people are just not one thing. We're humans. Like, And that's the scariest, actually, aspect. That's why people want it to be so black and white, because yeah. it's very good, scary bad, to evil. think. Yeah, it's scary to think you can be good and bad. I happen to have gotten the chance to do a bunch of work on this. But for the other person who, say, is a victim that has emailed you, what happens is they fell in love with that person undoubtedly and they felt like oh fuck there it is I would have trusted that person and that scares them and scares me I understand that aspect it's much worse that he was lovable Mm-hmm. Because it yeah. actually, what you know is that you probably would have trusted them yourself. And you feel betrayed. And you, well, it makes you more scared about planet Earth. That the, quote, bad guy might be also quite lovable. I'm so sorry you personally also just had to deal with something of that magnitude. I know. It's just been tough. It's just, that's really been a, a really big struggle to just get through, but... We're making it. Because these are your babies. That's the analysis you are forced as an ethical human to run through your own little grinder, which is... I get the phone call and it's my kid that has been the predator. Yeah. I mean, fuck. I'm never not going to love my child and think both those girls are the greatest people on the planet. And then that's basically what you got to imagine in your mind. And I think also, like, if I'm asked how I felt hearing the news and I speak on how I felt hearing the news, these people that are coming at me, it's like, 
why would you think about yourself? Well, I'm not thinking about myself. I'm not overlooking the victims. It's just, that's the question that was asked to me. Like I said, I feel like almost like I don't want to talk about it all because that, nothing I say is right. And by the way, that's why we're here. Like we're fighting back <laughs> against that because life would be so easy to navigate if there were good and evil, man. It'd be real easy, but it ain't easy. And the less we pretend it's easy, the less we're going to address the ways we come out of all these complex things. Yeah. Putting them in one of two buckets ain't going to work. Okay, let's go to something fun. Uh, <laughs> you get a call from Dancing with the Stars. Now, tell me about this call. I actually went to Dancing with the Stars, their live tour, back in... March of 2020. That's right when the pandemic hit. Yes. So the next weekend, because I think I went on a weekend, the very next weekend is when our competition got canceled. Everything spiraled out of control so fast. I mean, when I went to Dancing with the Stars, the live show, things were great, but we got to go backstage. So I met all the professional dancers and I met Val, who was my partner on Dancing with the Stars. And the first thing that he said to me was, I want you to be my partner on the next season of Dancing with the Stars. And I was like, well, that's so cool because you clearly already loved it. Oh, huge fans from oh season one. Not that it's cheerleading at all, but I just appreciate the difficulty and the beauty of it, of anything like that. And he sent a picture of us to the producer. And then probably two or three weeks before the season started, my agent called me and was like, Dancing with the Stars wants you to talk to them about possibly being on the season. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I can make that happen with my job and stuff, but I will talk to my athletic director and my president and just see, because at the time, because of the pandemic, all of our sports got moved to the spring. So everything that we would be doing in the fall, cheering and stuff on that side of things was going to be moved. And so if ever I was going to do it, that would be the time because we were kind of at a standstill just in practice mode. Did you love it? I would do it again. Okay, okay. <laughs> it was not fun. It was hard. Because that's not your lane. No, I've never danced before. I know people think that cheer and dance are the same, but especially ballroom dancing, like that's an, a whole thing of itself. And so I didn't know any of the terminology. I didn't know how to do anything. Like your posture is very different in cheer and dance. And, and so I was learning from the beginning. So it was, number one, just difficult. You never have a day off. So you're constantly relearning a new routine and that's intimidating in itself. And I'm kind of old. You know, people think because I'm a cheer coach that I'm a cheerleader, but I'm not. I've not cheered in 30 something years, you know, so. Been about a minute. Yeah. So it was something I'd never done. Physically demanding. I was very intimidated, which kind of shocked me because I'm normally very confident. But I got there and I was like, whoa, this is, this is way harder than I thought. And I didn't realize it really. But there's a whole acting element in this, too. And I can't do that at all. They're just throwing things at you that you don't have the prerequisite skill set for. Exactly. You're also going to be juggling chainsaws. Did we tell you that? You're, you can <laughs> yes. juggle, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of terrifying putting yourself out there on live national television. If you mess up, it's not like you get a redo. Yeah. Well, all they taught my soulmate and her cheer thing is booty bumping. Oh, like that's what I took away? Yeah, that's what you went to college with. Your dance skill was booty bumping. That was before my cheer time. No, it was in college. No, it was middle school. I thought these were UG parts. All right, I got to tell you just a really quick non sequitur, Monica. It has nothing to do with anything other than March 2020. I get a FaceTime call from my wife. I'm at Barton Springs. I'm on a blanket with my buddy. We're having the time of our life. People are swimming. We're, <laughs> we're having an incredible time. My wife FaceTimes me with a mask on. 
you're coming home right now. This is real. I'm like, it ain't real here. You're in Texas. You're, you're down in Austin. It's not real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to geek out on like, if I could have in retrospect gone to any school other than the one I went to, I think I wish I had gone to UT and lived in Austin because, there ain't a better city, man. Do you spend some time there at Barton Springs? You know, I think I went there once. They kick you out for having a peanut butter and jelly? <laughs> yeah. We, that was our last trip there. We had a rough visit last <laughs> time. Oh, no. I was working and studying and going to school. I was actually a pretty good student. I, that doesn't shock me because the background for the viewer, I guess it'll be in one of the photos on Instagram, <laughs> but the background of your Zoom looks like one of those backgrounds you can just put behind you. Like some people put an enormous <laughs> library behind them, right? And, and there's, there's a preposterous amount of trophies, trinkets, and shiny things behind you to the point where it looks like a fake background, it's right? It's so attractive. <laughs> You're so horny for I it, aren't you? I love it. So you don't get this background behind you by hanging at Barton Springs all the time <laughs> like I would have done. Okay, let's talk about your book. I'm a Assuming that full out, that's a term. So the fact that it's entitled full out, I'm assuming that you're applying a lot of the different qualities that make a great cheer program, athlete, everything to the rest of one's life. So which things do you circle as important? And I know this has an application for business, for all kinds of things. Well, I think one thing that we've already talked about that I'm very big on is leading by example and also to kind of go with that is like self-accountability because being a leader, that's something that you're going to want to do, not just on a team, but if you are managing a department at work or in your relationship, like you're leading your children. I mean, it's not just a business thing. It's literally, if you want to lead people in your life, there are just certain principles that you need to do. And I think leading by example, if you are expecting something of your children, your team or whatever, then you should be your doing employees. those. Your, your employees. If you want your employees to be on time, then you should be on time or early. You have to set the example. And I think a lot of people forget that, especially like parenting is a tough job and the world's a little wild right now. But I've always prided myself on being such a good role model, not just for my team, but for my own children, but also self-accountability because I would much rather someone say, you know what, I messed up. Like the big pet peeve of mine is an excuse. These are just important things to like even be a good partner, like husband yeah, or wife, like yeah. just owning up to where you went wrong. And, you know, I even talk about in the book that my husband and I got divorced and then remarried. Oh, oh wait, wow. your current husband is your first husband? Yeah. Because I only knew that you had gotten divorced and remarried. So I assumed there was a new new fellow in the picture. Okay. No, we just took a break. <laughs> <laughs> How long were you out there in the, in the wilderness? We were divorced for a couple of years, but honestly, like, as you know, when you have kids, it's a whole nother element of responsibility. And sometimes we treat the people that we love the most, the worst when we're under stress. And so you start, or at least us, we started taking score. Who did the dishes? Who picked up the kids? Instead of being there for each other in the way you should and stuff. And just so we talk about communication and just some of these really important things to make you successful, whether it is in a marriage and raising your kids or in business or in a team, they're really all these same principles 
that are gonna make you great. But it all really just boils down to starting with yourself. Like if you're not always working on yourself, you're not gonna be good for anybody. Well, also, bummer, you can't work on other people. No. That's not your province. You're not invited to work on other people. That's a hard one, especially for three control freaks, right? <laughs> correct, fair, correct. Right? And I think that was one of learning moments for me when we went through our divorce. Like I really took ownership of like, what did I bring to the table and what do I need to work on? Because at the end of the day, that's all you can do. Like I'm not gonna blame him for my mistakes. And do you find that takes some time? Because I remember like I was in a relationship for nine years. I still love this woman to death, Brie, and we're friends. But it took me about a year out of that relationship. Like when I left, I could have rattled off nine reasons that it was her fault. And then when that kind of anger dissipated in the hurt, like, yeah, man, I regret doing that. And they just started like coming to me when I stopped building my case. And I have called her so many times. She finally said, listen, man, it was a great nine years. You don't need to call me. <laughs> you don't need to apologize. <laughs> like, we're good. I think I was so upset. I don't like to fail at anything. Right. And so I'm like, we have failed at this job. Like, we have these children together. And now look what we've done. I took complete ownership. Like, let me just take this moment to really spend the time that I need to work on myself. Like, I, that's yeah. why I always looked at it. I mean, obviously, I mean, when you're married, you're going to be mad about something. Two human beings trying to cohabitate <laughs> with completely different desires on almost every topic. Yeah, it's a little challenging sometimes. Yeah. But do you feel there's been change? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I was always very stubborn. Like, I'm like, oh, it's never my fault. Like, so apologies for, yeah, I didn't really do those very often. I've gotten really <laughs> good at, like, vocally expressing, like, I'm sorry I said that. Or just knowing, like, when I'm stressed out, I will like take that out on people that don't deserve it. And so I'm aware of that. And so if I'm having a really bad day, I'm like, listen, just don't even talk to me for 30 minutes because it's nothing against you. I know I'm not going to be nice to talk to you for the next 30 minutes. So yeah. yeah, learning your limits is really, really powerful. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by Taco Bell. Ooh. Oh, man. We often do two recordings a day, and we have this little nice lunch break that we enjoy, and we're always craving something really yummy. Yes, yeah, something fresh, something high quality, something like the all-new cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell, which is mm. exactly that. Mm. It's so yummy. It has slow-roasted chicken, the pico, that purple cabbage, and an avocado verde salsa sauce. Oh, delicious. Outrageous. The new Cantina Chicken Tacos, Burrito, and Quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina Chicken menu at Taco Bell now. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank, USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval, terms apply. If you listen for a while, AG1 shouldn't be new to you. What's not new to me, I've been a fan for over six years. I have it every morning. I had it this morning. But if you haven't tried it yet, seriously, it's such an easy way to improve your health. It replaces multiple health supplements like multivitamins, digestive aids, immune support, and more in just one simple scoop. In 60 seconds... 
I know I'm covering my nutritional bases and setting myself up for success to tackle the day. And for how simple it is, it's crazy what a difference it makes. It's full of prebiotics for my gut, vitamin B to keep my energy up, magnesium for my stress levels. I could keep listing ingredients and benefits all day, but you just need to know it works. So I've partnered with AG1 for so long because they make such a high quality product that I genuinely look forward to drinking every day. If you want to find out your newest healthy habit, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase at drinkag1.com dax. That's drinkag1.com dax. Check it out. Biffle pointed out something great, which is like, it's tricky because the people you love, you feel safest around and most unconditionally loved around. So sometimes you end up like feeling safest to be your shittiest self. That's exactly right. That's when you treat them the worst. And But why? Why do we do that? Like you should treat them the best. Like they're there for you through thick and thin. I always say they get your top 5% and your bottom 5%. Yeah, okay, that's better. I do think they are getting your best self also, but what comes with that is the acceptance that you're going to get the bottom 5% because of the safety. But you do have to ask yourself, would I give my bottom 5% in this manner to a friend that I like? Like, it's great to stop yourself from giving that 5%. I'm yeah, not yeah, saying yeah. That everyone should accept that, but I think that is what's happening. Right, right. You're seeing the whole spectrum. I feel safe enough to show you the whole spectrum, and bad news, I'm kind of a shithead 5% of the time. And I think if you just are aware, like I said, when I can own up to, like, I'm treating you poorly because I'm stressed out, like, I'm going to own up to that and say, listen, ignore anything ugly I snap out for the next 30 minutes, you know, at least that's going to let him know, like, this isn't really towards you. This is me having a bad moment, and I'm just going to go to the other room for a minute. Well, I'm going to actually first ask Little Chef this, and then I want your answer, and then I want to see how it compares to Monica's, okay? So her saying, your doubt is my fuel. How do you synthesize that? Because I I can't wait to hear Monica's answer. I mean, I think of it as in a competitive situation. Did you watch the LA Rams against my boyfriend, uh, Tom Brady, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game? Did you watch that? No, but I heard about it. But I watched the end of the Kansas City. Oh, that crazy game. I did watch The whole weekend was bonkers. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so Monica, the Rams were up 27 to 3, going into third. And what we all know about Tom Brady is that does not mean shit. Because he's shown you. You got all these people that talk shit. This motherfucker has shown a hundred times that that means nothing to him. In a Super Bowl. Oh, I was hired to come work for the Ellen Show. I went to the Super Bowl in Minnesota. The halftime, it was 28-3, and I was like, if I stay to watch them get beat up further, I have to fly out the next day. Fuck it, I'm leaving. People hate me for that. Sorry, I did it. I'm like, bummer. I love Tom Brady. I fly to LA. I get back. People in the airport with fucking Patriots gear are going crazy, and I think, why are they so happy they lost? No, this, this son of a bitch pulled it off. So anyways, what I saw in the Rams, man, they were playing with all this confidence, 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 26-3. And then all of a sudden, Tom Brady was like, oh, remember this. And you watch them completely mentally collapse for about a quarter and a half. And you're just watching it going, oh, my God, we know what that's like. When you know the person on the other side has less quit than you, what a dangerous thing to recognize. Thanks for attending my TED Talk on that game, (laughs) Monica. I really appreciate it. But it's like the Mike Tyson phenomenon. Many of those opponents couldn't lay down fast enough. 
They knew it was going to happen. Mike Tyson was going to knock him out. That was done when they walked into the ring. So is it playing on that, your doubt is my fuel? What does that mean for you? How does that apply in your book? It just means if someone doubts that I can do something, me. Oh. I got you. For example, in 2020, the show came out. And of course, we went on this whirlwind, like we're going to LA, we're going to New York. Everybody wants a piece of us. We're getting pulled in a thousand directions. And there was talk in the media, social media, like, oh, they're losing their focus. They're going to lose this year. And I was like, wait a minute, somebody's doubting us, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. We were like, oh, we're working twice as hard. You just motivated me. Instead of two a days, by God, we're going to do three a days. Like, whatever mm -hmm. it takes. When the pandemic hit, we were in spring break, which is called Hell Week. So it's called Hell Week because we don't have classes, so we can spend the entire day practicing, right? What a fun spring break. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. It's do you want awesome. to wear swimwear at least? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? If we do well enough, they can go to us have a swim party. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so we made it to spring break, and we had done 25 full outs by the time we— Finished our spring break practices. I always give them a few days off, like the end, so they can rest and recover and get ready for that final push. We could have competed if we needed to. Obviously, we wanted more time and more cleanup and stuff because we were still a few weeks out. But if we needed to, we could have competed right then. That's how ready we were because I was not going to let someone say we were going to not be focused. If someone thinks that I can't do something— like, I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah. I'm working twice as hard. Let's go. Did you watch Last Dance? You must have. Okay, don't hate me. I have not yet, but I'm this going to. This is as to. bad as me leaving the Super Bowl. I mean, it's bad. I know. Just You'll love it. Crazy. That's pretty much Jordan's singular fuel, almost to a <laughs> maybe pathological point where he's got to find someone on his opponent's team who he has a personal grudge that he's deserved. <laughs> and so to honestly bring it back to my TED talk on the game, they made Tom Brady bleed at the end of the second quarter. And I've never seen Tom Brady with blood. His lips were bloody. Oh. And they had this shot of him with his brow furrowed and blood on his Ew. lips. And I was like, they know they just fucked up. And literally that's <laughs> when it all turned. Wow. They were like, oh shit, we just woke the tiger up. Now he's yeah. fucking pissed. All it takes is a little doubt. Did you have any fear that because of the show that you would be judged differently, like literally by the judges, that uh, there'd want to be a new narrative haters. of you guys? Or Yeah, I mean, it adds a weird element. Well, I've been in that predicament for a long time in the cheer world because nobody, just like Tom Brady, nobody wants to see you win over and over. Like, nobody. People like an underdog. Yeah. Well, nobody's an Alabama fan but an Alabama fan, right? Okay, so, yeah, like, right. that's, like, nobody likes to see people win. And we went through this one period where we won seven years in a row. Everybody was just waiting for us to not win. That's not new to me. And it's a subjective sport. These are humans giving us scores, and I understand that. I know I'm fighting something that I can't control. Like, I almost feel like we have to work twice as hard because if we don't do something incredibly amazing and hit it, on point, then it's so easy to not give us the scores that we deserve. You're putting it through another filter, yeah. for sure. So I always know we have that against us, that subjective scoring. So the show, although, yes, elevating it to a whole new level, yeah. I've always felt like, ugh, I'm sure 
Nobody wants to see us win. And you won the first year you were being filmed, so that's objectively not the case that you suffered the first season. I don't know what happens the second. No spoilers. <laughs> I would imagine there's an element there of the serenity prayer, which is like, please give me the knowledge to know when I can control it and when I can't. And for control freaks like us three, man, that's like, that might be the most important thing to analyze first. Talking about working backwards, it's like, A, do I have any sway over this whatsoever? Yeah. If I don't, I got to somehow move beyond it and accept it, right? You know, the serenity prayer, I love that. We end every single practice with that. Oh, no kidding. Oh, yeah, every single practice. We say it a lot. Oh, wow. Y'all alcoholics? That's where I learned it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a journey coming to practice and, and doing all this. And I feel like the more positive we can keep the environment and lifting each other up because there's days that we don't have our best days and we just like with marriage, you take it out on each other. And so we try to keep everything as positive and uplifting. And we added this past year, like we all circle up before we do the serenity prayer. And we do minimum of like five shout outs to say something positive, like, hey, this person, you know, great job today on this or that. Just trying to keep everything very uplifting and positive at our practice. You're at your most confident, right? When you're feeling supported and appreciated. For sure. Absolutely. Because, you know, you got to acknowledge that you have finite energy, you have finite focus, you have finite everything. And to be using any of that energy or focus on an element that has nothing to do with you is a utile you could have applied to the thing you can control. Absolutely. I also wrote a book called Full Out. I hope you read it. I spell it differently. Three L's. <laughs> no, yours is Fool Out. Fool Out. That's right. I'm so sorry. Fuck. Yeah, my book is Fool Out. F-O-O-L. That's right. Extra. Oh. Oh, yeah. I have to include something because this is just what happens with people when they are even around the cheerleading world. Like, I hope so bad Lincoln and Delta do it so that you can be a cheer dad. Oh, sure. Because my parents didn't know anything about cheerleading. So I interviewed her father, and he is from India, right? He came as an adult. And I said to him, you must have been so confused by your American daughter getting this outfit. And he goes, you know, to be honest, I just didn't think she'd be good enough to make the team, so I didn't worry about it. And then she was just on the team, and then here we go. <laughs> Talk about using doubt as fuel. That's pretty much my whole story with my parents. But Most lovely guy in the world, let me just say. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful man. But he didn't know. He didn't know what he was getting into. He didn't it must know have seemed fucking insane coming from India yes, and watching this thing. But there is a video of my dad at our second state championship, and he is in a full Duluth shirt and like a boa or something and is screaming and jumping and clapping at the top of his life. I mean, I've never seen him behave like that in my whole life. I, he never again, never prior. You get so wrapped up and we had a girl on our squad. Her mom was very into it. Like a Jean Bonnet's parents type of thing? Well, I don't want to. Okay. <laughs> But she was really, really into it. And we had a like a, a phrase because we were the wildcats. We were the claw squad. Cats live as winners. Fuck yeah, they do. And she got it tattooed on her neck. Uh-oh. The mom. Because it really fills you with a bizarre kind of pride. Well, I can be honest with you, Monica. I only watch your stupid show so that I can understand Monica better. <laughs> I literally was an act of friendship. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to sit through this ridiculous fucking show. But then once you so, started, weren't you Oh, I in? called you in two yeah. seconds. I'm like, oh my God, my whole life is cheer. This is incredible. Like, I... 
But I literally went into it just as an act of, hey, you're my friend and I'm going to check out this thing you love. As she watched Drive to Survive Formula One for me. You exactly. Know? I think I was the most rabid fan. I, I want to claim that. I know so many people. Everyone who, thinks they're the most rabid yeah. fan. Yeah. That's why we thought nobody would watch it but the cheer community. Like everybody would have that exact same attitude. I'm not watching this show. It's called yeah. cheer. Well, this has been really fun. I might get cheer tattooed on the back of my neck. Sure? Why not? I'm getting them fast and loose yeah. now. Why not? I was just going to say, I don't know how old your girls are. On Friday, we are making an announcement. We're doing a live cheer tour this summer with Live Nation. <gasps> get the out of here. And we'll be in L.A. So we're going around the country. So you'll have to come. Well, Brown Pamela Anderson, I'm out of fucking <laughs> yeah, names you, right you now. Yeah, you used a lot of good yeah, ones. Yeah, thank you. Like, I'm pretty distracted. I'm impressed I've even been this engaged with you, Monica, because a lot of my utiles are spent trying to remember some of I our... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Brown Pamela Anderson here. And I are fucking going to be front seat. Whether my girls go or not, They'll we're going to be there. It's for adults too, right? For whoever wants to come. It's well, whoever's got money to buy a ticket. I might really. run out there. Oh, my God. Can we do a celebrity appearance? Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> our friend Ryan Hansen, party pumper, he's an actor. He was a cheerleader, too, an all-star cheerleader. And a football player. And a football player. Yeah. But he's, like, always trying to get me to stunt with him. And I refuse, like... If you can't so do it perfect, you exactly. don't want to do it. Exactly. I hold it so dearly. It, like, scares me if, if I wouldn't be able to do it. You know, we have a lot of former football players. As a matter of fact, we taught my daughter's fiancé how to, to stunt with her. <laughs> See? Yeah. It's fun. But it's It scary. is so fun. daughter around Ryan. You'll know, be throwing her all over the place. Again, we just don't know where that catch is going to happen. Monica, <laughs> Full Out is your book. I want everyone to read it. And I am going to just binge, binge, binge season two. Can't wait. I wish you a ton of luck. And I'm sure you're going to be doing a trillion other things. And we'll probably talk again. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. All right. Be well. <laughs> Bye. Bye. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. I don't think I look good enough for her. It's too early. She's really cute. I I know she is. <laughs> There's no cheer coaches that aren't banging, right? Right. Right? Right. Okay, so we're going to talk to This was the Okay, so this okay. is a cheerleading episode. Oh, so she's here. She's here. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. This is so exciting. <gasps> yeah, yeah, let her in. <gasps> Kelly! Oh, I miss you. You too. It's so good to see you. I'm glad I get to see you instead of just hear you. I know. You look so cute. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. You're even hotter than Monica described. I'm not shocked. <laughs> but that means you kept track of Monica? That makes me really oh, happy. Yeah. <gasps> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm probably one of her biggest fans before she had fans. Uh, yeah. I believe that. She's been, she's been there since day one. You know, Kelly, she was there for my first, like, big, God, what would we say? Like, overcoming moments. The back tuck. Absolutely. It's like in the record book. It's in the record book. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie, Monica. I still use that phrase. I, I still am like, let me tell you about my cheerleader from Duluth who never, ever gave up. And you know what I say about the mat, that you had to floss it out of your teeth? That's right. So, <laughs> I mentioned that you had the blue mat in your teeth and we had to floss it out, jokingly saying, hey, never give up. Yeah, that's sweet. You're the high watermark for stick to itness. That's right. Oh my God. Can, all right. So b before she hijacks this thing, I want to <laughs> know from your point of view 
when you first met her, what was she like? And were, were, did she, did, was Kelly first one in? Had you already done some cheering? Rec League, one year. That was it. So barely. She really was pretty fresh. Yeah. Um, but you have to remember, I was still like learning the ropes as a coach as well. So these kids are like, they were my kids before I had kids, truly. And Monica is my sister's age. So I knew a lot of those kids because I have a sister who's 10 years younger. So it was really cool to come back to my own high school. You know, I was passionate about the school because I grew up in the community, um, but then have kids that I also knew through my sister. So she was really my first taste of success as a coach. Her, her group really was. So yes, she was completely fresh. I mean, like yeah. a little bit of rec league cheerleading, but um she just went into it with such an open mind and so much enthusiasm for it that they were such an easy group to coach. I mean, really, I didn't really know what I was doing completely yet. They certainly didn't know what they were doing. And, you know, my expectations were probably higher than I even thought that I was capable of and they were capable of, but we just kind of shot for the sky. And I think we were a little bit oblivious that we really weren't that good yet. But in our minds, we were like, <laughs> we, we love each other and we are awesome. And then we, I, you know, we got to the first competition and, you know, I, we did well, right? But maybe yeah. we weren't quite as awesome as we thought, but it was passion for one another. And, and like, they had such a bond that they kind of, they didn't kind of, they really pulled off the impossible that first year. Yeah. I mean, we were a nobody. Oh my gosh! What is what a story? I, I want this know. to be. I it's wish. a movie. You can make it a movie. Really, truly. Okay, I, Monica hates when I quantify things, but if you had to assess her skill level when she walked oh, in no. versus the end of the year, and we're, we're not giving out tens, right? Because that's ridiculous. There's only one or two tens in the world, so don't feel, you know, pressured to give her a ten. But start point, and then, yeah, and okay, point. so. So when she came in, I'm going to say it was like a two because it was, <laughs> it was very little experience. Okay. Yeah. So, and let me explain how this works. I told Monica, all I need you to do is a standing tuck. What is that for the lay person? What does that mean? So for the lay person that's standing there, rotating backwards, like a backwards roll up in the air. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Okay, standing, so standing backflip. Back. Oh. Yeah, really common in cheerleading. But for her, we had a bunch of other tumblers that were gymnasts that had come into this. And Monica, obviously, was super petite. We had boys on the team. So we knew we were going to be doing all-girl stunning, co-ed stunning. And I'm like, Mon, all I need you to do is get the standing tuck. If you can get the standing tuck, we're good. I don't even need you to do running tumbling. She's like, literally has probably, I mean, had you ever attempted anything like that in your no, life? No, I couldn't even do yeah. back handspring. Yeah, so, but we didn't need the back handspring, right? I know, so it's yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, you're a specialist, okay. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so she has to get the standing tuck. So if you can picture this, this tiny, skinny, really, believe it or not, kind of shy, right? Uh -huh. I'm so glad you said that because I told Dax I used to be shy and he did not believe me. Well, yeah. I yeah, that's a broader conversation about Indians. <laughs> So she comes on and we're trying to get her to throw her body upside down, rotate, land on your feet and smile while you're doing it, right? So yeah. she goes over and we spot her through this. And then you kind of get to a point where you've got to detach from them and they've really got to throw it themselves to land it. So I've already spotted her a million times, um, probably, you know, yelling, pull, pull over and over and over till she can hear it in her sleep. <laughs> um, and 
she goes in the corner and she's trying it over and over and over. And I kid you not, the kid had like rug burn yeah. on her face. Ooh, from ooh. Trying to pull so hard because she was determined to land the skill, you know? And meanwhile, like all the kids, you know, that can do this skill easily, they're like, come on, Monica, you got this. You got, ooh, wow. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, face planning. But she continued to pull and pull and pull. I'm like, listen, you're going to land this thing. You just have to keep working at it. You know, and we may need some Band-Aids and Neosporin in the meantime. But, and then she got it. And I mean, like when she got it, she, she had it. I was never, truly, I was never really worried about her because once she physically could do it mentally, she was always ready. And she was a killer flyer, like the top person flying. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, she was really, really good, especially for someone who had never like grown up doing that. And then all of a sudden gets thrown into it. I want to go back because now that you've coached then onward, I'm sure. She has her own all-star gym. Okay. She's very successful. Congratulations. Thank you. But you point out something that I love. You touched on the power of naivete a little bit where mm -hmm. you almost got to wonder now if Junior Monica walked into your gym at a two, if you would have even at now with as much experience as you had, mm -hmm. if you'd almost go, ah, you know, I think the, the ship might have sailed for you. Okay, I'm gonna say no to that. And I'll, I'll tell you why. I think I grew so much as a coach with those kids. Truly, like when I talk about them as like my kids and my family, like they, they really were and are, and I'm so proud of all of their successes. But no, I don't think so. I, I think it shapes the coach that I am today. And I, I would be curious to ask the kids that I coach now if they agree with that. I feel like I kind of always feel like we can do the impossible. We can kind of pull it off. And I think it's just a positivity that they showed me, you know, in high school, the kids you're given are the best that they have at the school, right? You're not pulling from different schools like you are in All-Stars or anything like that. So you get what you get and you work with what you have. And you just hope that the kids buy into your enthusiasm for it and your belief in them. And I feel like they did. And I really think it shaped me as a coach, you know, that 20 years later, I'm still doing this. And I hope that those kids feel the same. And I'll tell you, it was interesting because Monica's first year when we won and we were like completely learning the ropes of competition cheerleading. We kind of won by like the stars aligned and we were kind of like the sweetheart of that year. We kind of won mm -hmm. everyone's heart and- Underdogs, can we say? Big time. Absolutely. Barely squeaked in at, <laughs> from regions to the state competition, had a parade at the school, so excited we were going. Had, <laughs> winning wasn't even on the radar. And then we get down to the end and I'm like, holy cow, we may win this thing. So it was- Complete and utter joy. The second year, and she will attest to this, the pressure oh of the God. world was on us. Wow. Because I feel like we had to really prove ourselves that it wasn't a fluke. And we had most of the same kids. So they had gotten a taste of that winning. And I feel like the drive was completely different. It went from, hey, we're having fun and look, we're doing good to... I mean, we were grinding. We were grinding, and every kid in there, there, there was no slacking off because any of those kids would turn into the coach at any moment and say, hey, get serious. We need to do this. It was definitely a different pressure. And that second year, and I know Monica remembers this, we had a tumble bust, and um, my sister was on the team. She had not won with the team with the team previous with, with uh, Monica. So we get down, we're all sitting down, and, and I'm, like, trying to play the coach. I'm breaking it to him. I'm like, guys, listen. We had a bust. We're not going to win. 
we're going to stand up. We are going to clap for the other team. And it was one of our big rivals, right? I'm like, we are going to stand up. We are going to show class. And I am just like doing my best coaching speech ever. And my sister just breaks on and goes, but we've worked so hard. <laughs> it was the most pitiful thing. And all the kids just erupt in tears and they're crying. And pretty much we've lost, right? I mean, our life is We've lost. We know we've lost to our rivals. We're going to have to, you know, eat it and move on. And lo and behold, they call us out as winners. And that was a totally different expression of a joy. That was almost oh, like yeah. a relief. But complete and utter shock because truly, I mean, we, I mean, I'd already given the speech, right? We were like, yeah. we got our bags packed and we're ready to go. So it, it was def- definitely two very different years. Oh, I talk about that moment a lot because, because <laughs> when we're sitting there in the bleachers, like waiting to hear and we, yeah, we were like, okay, we lost, but maybe like, there's just like this. <laughs> Y'all kept saying, is there any chance yeah. I'm like, I mean, I don't think so, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're trying also not to be, like, super mad at, at the, the person who made a mistake because we all make mistakes. It could have been any one of us on that day, but we were like, oh, uh, my so God. So a mistake was made. Yeah. Okay. That's what she, so someone oh, okay. put their yeah. hands down on a, on oh, a okay. tumbling All right, path. all right. So, and we knew it was going to get down to, like, one or two points, so it mattered. <laughs> oh, boy. And we were just, like, holding our breath, and when they called... Peachtree Ridge as the second place. So we then right. we knew. I've never felt. I'm pretty sure we fell down the stairs. No, yeah. I like collapsed. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a bizarre moment. I've never experienced anything like that again. Like so much pure relief. That was yeah. it. It wasn't Absolutely. even happiness. It was just like, yeah. thank God. And we won by one point. Oh, yeah. my Lord. Yeah. yeah. I'm so grateful for that person who made the little mistake that y'all won because... Me too. Now as an adult... 100%. Yes. 100%. And I think in those moments when that pulls off, like from a coach, that is where your heart is just like, thank you for, you know, for that person that made that mistake because they were going to have the weight of the world on them. Oh. But, but to go back and answer your question, I'm going to tell you that Monica... So Monica ended up working for me at the gym, man. Yep. She was like working the front desk... She left, like, I'm telling you, so we we never had to have her do the running tumbling, right? She left with the standing tumbling. She left with two state championships. So, like, in my book, she left a 10, right? Like, how can you leave any yeah. better than that? Yeah. You know? I agree. That's I mean, I true. wouldn't want anything anything more from that experience. It was so good. Now, when you watch Cheer as... Have you watched it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. I I'm figured. not even going to pretend. There's just no way. I know. It's like me not yeah. watching Drive to Survive. Totally, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, uh, no, I haven't watched this season yet because I'm that person. I want to wait and sit down and kind of like binge watch it. And we've been so crazy with between All-Stars and finishing up high school stuff that I haven't even had a chance to watch that yet. Also, Kelly has a lot of kids of her own. How many kids you got? I have six. Jeez Louise! She has six kids of her own, and they're all in sports and doing all, like, they're all so busy. And she's a badass. That's why when I watched Cheer, and I said this to Monica... Aldama. I was like, you know, they paint her, the media portrayed her such like this tough, badass, but like kind of negative, like just really tough. And I'm like, that's normal. That that's you. That's normal. Yeah. 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 
I'll tell you, I don't know her personally. And actually, funny story, we ran into her at Cheer Sport. And my girls, you would have thought Justin Bieber just walked in the room. (laughs) I'm talking about throwing elbows and like trying to get to her. So they got a picture with her. Uh, So I don't know her personally. I do have a guy working for me now that cheered at Navarro. No way! Yeah, and so she coached him. Um, But I'll tell you, when it first came out, I had a lot of people say, have you seen this new show, Cheer? She reminds me of you. And so I was like, oh gosh, is that good or bad? And then watch, and I I see what you're saying. It's like a love, but also like super high expectations. And you have to take it serious. It can be dangerous if you don't. Exactly. Yeah, and I'm assuming you yourself cheered when you were younger? Well, actually, I was a dancer growing up and did all of that. And then got into, I think the first time I cheered was at the middle school, like middle school basketball, then cheered in high school, then competed in high school. And then I actually was on the dance team at Auburn University. So I did that until I came back and started coaching at Duluth. And you have the mirror neurons of it. You're like, when they hit it, you actually know the exact feeling that accompanies that. Sure. And I, I'm not going to lie. I'm I am kind of known for losing my mind in front of the stage. <laughs> Jokingly, when uh, when Monica and them were competing, so they they make you sit over to the side and they make you sit in a chair. And um, make you. Uh, Debbie was the lady that was in charge of the judges, and she's a stitch. And she came over to me the second year and said, "You know your your butt has to stay in the chair." Oh. And I'm like, I got you. So because my kids expect me to kind of lose my mind when they're hitting. I'm jumping up and down with the chair, <laughs> but losing my mind jumping around. And she still laughs about that to this day because I I just kind of feed off their energy and I feel like they feed off of mine. So yeah, I mean, I, I get pretty excited out there. That's <laughs> so fun. When you watched Cheer, did you, th- like I'm talking to you for, for seven minutes and I'm like, oh, you need a show. I know, she's <laughs> right? like, so you're so, Like you need a show. Like, did you watch it and think like, Oh, A, the pressure would be too much, or I would not want to be in that situation, or that looks awesome. I'd love to do that. Like, what kind of personal, because you could, you could, that could have been you, or that it could have been you. It could have 100% yeah. been you. Sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that's been approached before because, because I have six kids yeah. and we are a zoo. And I think my biggest thing is I'm always open to that kind of stuff. I'm just protective of, I'm big on integrity. I'm big on character. And so I think that I'm protective of that with myself, with my kids, with the gym, that it would be a situation where I would want somebody to look for the best in everyone because I I make a point to do that. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay. So I think think that's kind of it. But Monica, let me show you real quickly what I have. Um, And yes, if you saw my whole caboodle with all my children, you would really think we should be on a reality show. But (laughs) I have a bulletin board back behind my desk. And this is a letter that Monica wrote me that still sits behind my desk that everyone sees. Yes, and I'll just kind of paraphrase real quick. She first of all goes, she goes off about The Bachelor because we were watching The Bachelor and she said like about us being big fans. (laughs) Then she jokingly says that I fired her because she actually was leaving the gym. And so, but I I didn't fire her, but she jokingly says about that. But then I want to say that she says, I can't thank you enough for giving me the opportunity to work up at the gym. This past year has been such an incredible experience and one I wouldn't trade for anything. Jayhawks really is a family you built, and I feel so lucky to have been a part of it. But apart from just the job, you have given me so much more than you can ever know. We joke about the good old claw days, and that's her team. But as cheesy as it may sound, I truly don't believe I would be the same person without you and those squads. 
You were the first person to show me that anything is possible despite how far-fetched it may seem and that hard work, dedication, and persistence really does yield the greatest rewards. Somewhere along the line, I started equating acting with getting my tuck. And if there was one thing I learned, it's that you will fall on your face 1,000 times, but that 1,000 and first time, you will land on your feet. And that makes all the struggle and disappointment completely worth it. So I just wanted to write you this little novel and thank you for giving me the confidence to go after the impossible because thanks to you, I know that nothing really is. Love you, Mon. Oh my God. Awesome? Everyone's eyes are just a little dewier now. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I wrote that before I even had any success of any kind, but I did know it made such an impact on my life. I don't think anything more so. That's awesome. Yeah. I hope to get a letter like that one day, too. No. <laughs> you're not going to get one. <laughs> Maybe the firing just, part. <laughs> just know, Monica, that I keep that dear to my heart. And that truly, that's like my biggest goal in everything that I do with all you kids is having stuff like this. And I wouldn't have kept this behind my desk if it didn't mean that much to me. So... Um, that makes yeah. me so happy. I just, I just adore them. So we got to have a reunion soon for yes, sure. Yes, please, please. I want that so bad. <laughs> we got to get her back to Georgia for that. Yeah. Yeah, Christmas, sure. All right. Well, I love you dearly, and thank you I so much you. for joining Absolutely. us. Absolutely. And, you know, I should end probably by saying, dear God, wear purple, right? <gasps> yes. Dear God, please wear purple, because we were purple and black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was how we That's ended how practices. we broke. This yeah. is a ding, ding, ding. Shows and sheets. I was in purple for like 14 years. Oh, my awesome. God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, so nice meeting you. Hey, absolutely. So nice meeting y'all, and I really appreciate the time to share a little bit about Monica. Yeah. Love All right, well, you. good luck with everything. I hope you, uh, nothing but state championships in your future. Cheer season three is Kelly's season. It should be. <laughs> this kid's got too famous, well, so. Just know if I get to meet Monica, my kids are going to lose their mind, so we'll, we'll leave it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care. You know what's great about that, Monica? You didn't exaggerate. like I, I know. Yeah, you didn't exaggerate. Like, I, I wonder if we interviewed anyone I have a story about, if it would have come out that crystal. <laughs> <laughs> it would, it would. I mean, <sighs> that's why it's fun to really get to, like, click in, because we tell all these stories. Talk about, like, a year that defined your life. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She's so identical to Monica. I know. It's bonkers. Uh and I guess like, you, that makes sense. There's a sure a personality. There's a personality type in nearly every specialty within show business. Like script yeah. supervisors are all very similar. Uh, you know, transpo captains are similar. Everyone's kind of similar. The yeah. wardrobe people are similar. Yeah, I mean, you're never gonna get a cheerleading coach who isn't an extrovert. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. a performer in their own right. Sure, because you can't undersell how much of it is mental and someone who is can get you to buy into something. Yeah. I was relating so much as someone who directed a million dollar movie, which is like, yeah. everyone here knows that this probably, you can't do four stunt sequences for a million dollars, but I'm going to convince them I think we can. Yeah. And that's really what it takes. Yeah, it's bam you bamboozled them. You fucking hoodwink them. You hoodwink them right over to the state championship. And then you leave with the ring and you left with a million dollar movie. <clears throat> yeah. Did now... There's also some interesting thing in there, hearing how different the first and second experience what? was. Uh-huh. How quickly things shift from fun to... I know. I mean, it was still so fun, but 
Oh, yeah. I mean, the level of pressure got so intense. Is there a way to do season two like season one? Um, and yeah. I'm talking about your seasons and not the show. Boy, the parallels are uncanny right now because we're talking about season two of Cheer. You yeah. had two seasons. Right. They had the pressure. Yeah. You had the pressure. Um, it's almost like when things become commodified, like when you start making money doing something, totally. how it changes. Yeah, I think you have to be personally mentally diligent about making sure it's not. I mean, in like a cheerleading case, there's actually nothing you can do because it's other people. Sure. You're not an underdog now. Is that yeah. what you mean? Yeah. The story yeah. has changed. But yeah. but did do you think you worked harder the second season than the first? Or do you think you guys worked just as hard both seasons? I think I think we pushed ourselves much more the second, uh, my senior year, yeah. Okay. Um, or after every competition, it was like, what are we going to do at the next competition that's more? Uh-huh. Whereas the first year, I think we were more interested in just like perfecting what we had. And we did increase skills and stuff over time, but it was... It was it was different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was such a fun time. I mean, I know it's like dangerous and whatever, but I I just it's so character building. Yes. There's yeah, nothing yeah. like it. I I feel look, I relate. I relate. Yeah. It's getting out on the motorcycle track and figuring it out. And then being proud of yourself. It is a cool, like, you can't, I guess this could be said for most teams. I don't really know. I don't know enough about organized sports to say this is right or wrong. But because everyone has to land their thing perfectly, it's a unique sport in that you get the team experience and you also get the individual exactly, pride. Yeah, Exactly. Like, you've done your job perfectly. Yeah. But but so is everyone else. Like you're so proud of everyone else. And literally you're holding people up. One like flinch can bring the whole thing down. Yeah. You are so accountable and you have to trust so much. Because there's only one ball in every sport, ultimately like a few defenders can blow it and get <laughs> beat and yeah. two receivers could get blocked so because there's only one ball, at any given time, only one person has to be brilliant. Yeah. But everyone's got the ball, metaphorically. Yeah. And I think it also, as just like an overall life takeaway, is it really teaches you how to root for everyone. Mm-hmm. Every single person is crucial to your success, so you're rooting for them. I don't want any follow-ups. Okay. This is, I'm only going to ask one. I'm not trying to narrow anything down. I'm just curious if the person that messed up yeah. was her sister. No. Okay. Okay. Because <laughs> that could have. No. I can't imagine being in that situation and my older brother was, I just feel like that would be a pressure cooker. Yeah. Okay. I have some facts. Okay. Oh, okay. Be before we get into my facts. Yeah. I have a huge update. Okay. I have an update too. Oh, great. It's gotta be, this, this one's one second. Okay, go, yeah. Drive to Survive season four is fucking incredible. Is it great? It's incredible. Okay, and our boyfriend, Daniel Ricardo. Oh, Danny. Not shockingly, is the star of the show once again. But so much, his own personal drama of the season was so, it's so heartbreaking. Really? Yes. Will I cry? I imagine. Oh, and wow. then the the comeuppance, the, oh, the turning it around. Oh my god! Oh my god! This is so confusing. This episode, <laughs> another reality show I'm talking about. 
Yeah, it's so good for folks who haven't watched it. And um, we're going to try to get Daniel in here in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. He, we need him back. Yeah, we need to talk about his stardom. Yeah. A lot's changed since we first talked to Danny. That's right. Um, okay. Great update. My update. A little longer. Yeah. So, <laughs> so on Friday, it's Monday now. Yeah. On Friday, I went to Laura's house. We watched Scream. Okay. Did you like David it? Arquette. David Arquette. Um, number one fan. Yeah. We were so scared. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of pop outs. Oh, okay. At one point, Mark, their dog, had to go out. And we were like, fuck, what do we do? Like, if oh. I can't stay in this apartment by myself because I'll get murdered. Right. And if you go out there by yourself, you'll get murdered. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll see Sounds you Sounds like a really easy riddle to- We figured it out that we're going to go together. Go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is not like the chicken. This but I didn't want to go. I was feeling lazy. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have a tantrum? little okay and then we were in the hall and opened the door and there's a person there and we screamed no, in their face no oh my god this really worked for you guys i'm so we, jealous do you feel like you're eight years old yes oh my we, god. well first laura screamed in her face the person screamed back and oh. then i screamed from behind and then one of everyone panicked and started stabbing <laughs> each other and there was never going to be an incident but this movie caused you guys to all think you were defending your own I life i know Anyway, so I get home around 10 after that, and it's dark in my house, and I walk, I'm walking in my room, and the, there's a tomato on the floor. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I guess wind. Um, sure. <laughs> Big gale force wind in your home. I left. I did leave the window open with the screen. Okay. Um, so I thought, oh, okay, like something caused but that even, tomato. Okay. <laughs> Terrible guess. I would at least start, first stop would be, oh, there was a little earthquake. Oh. Because that could shake it off a table and then it could roll. It could All have some the velocity. way. All it of it's stupid because it rolled but it's far. Gonna, right, but it fell off of like a four foot tall. It did. A butcher block. It fell off my butcher block that's high up. Uh-huh. And Like then, waist level. Right. Yeah. And then it was in the hall. Right. So it could have fallen that three and a half feet and then rolled. I don't know. I don't, wind? Wind is at least going to carry it to the uh, hall. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, for some reason, I did not think much of it. And then I put the tomato back in the kitchen, went to bed. Right. Next morning, in the light of day. Sure, in the I'm harsh light of day. <laughs> in the kitchen and I see the tomato and I look and I'm like, Huh, there's a bite out of this oh, tomato oh, and oh. some little scratchies. Okay. But then I thought, real strong maybe. wind. <laughs> really, really. I was like, maybe because of the force of it falling oh. on the floor, it just smushed and it wasn't really a bite. Uh, you know, right. I was going through a lot. Then I remembered the day before when I woke up. Yeah. These flowers I have in a vase on my side table were toppled over. Oh. Okay. No, that could be gravity, right? A lot of people go to ghost there. But I went to gravity, also wind. Yes, of course. So very windy environment. You should get one of those uh, windmills in there and generate your own power. Okay, so all this is happening, and this is happening like a scary movie. Like it's all starting to like come to me, and I'm on the phone with my parents. Okay. And unrelated or to call them with all this? No, no, no. Oh, I'm okay. not. I would never tell them about <laughs> right, this. Right. Cause they'd be scared out of their mind. They'd be so scared. Yeah. So I'm just on the phone chatting and, you know, making them seem like my life is good. Yeah. And I'm looking all of a sudden I see 
teeny tiny poop. Pooty. A pooty. A mice pooty. And I... <laughs> so much adrenaline just spiked oh my in God. my body. And I also oh. had to pretend like nothing was happening while I'm on the phone with my parents. And I can't get off abruptly because they'll be scared. This is like when the police arrive and there's a man next to you with a gun at your head and you have to act like nothing's right. going on. Yes. It was literally that. Yeah. It was that high. Wow. And then, again, like a scary movie, then I start just like slowly scanning the place and there's poop everywhere. Come on. What is everywhere? There's so many fucking poops in that house. I was, I, oh my God. I was. How many is a many? There was poop in the living room. There was poop in the kitchen. How much poop? Like five little, um. What are they, little tiny They're marbles? They're tiny, like kind of, they look like rice. Oh, cute. No, it's uh, bas- not Basmati? Cute. Basmati? They're black because they're poop. Oh, black basmati. Oh, mm. I'm never going to be able to eat rice again. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so, so then I was really, really freaking out and I had to go take a walk. I couldn't be in there. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And I thought like, I have to move. Okay, because I- of a mouse. Like, I can't be in there. There's a mouse in there. Okay. Well, there's two mice in there. Well, exactly. Then I got <laughs> really... Well, mice is really big. Mice shouldn't be afraid of the tiniest little mice. Yes, he's pooping in my house. She... No, it's a boy. No. It's a boy mouse it's... because a boy mouse is the only kind that would poop everywhere. No. If, and... you, if it was a boy mouse, you would have woke up and he would have been in bed with you. <laughs> oh, my God. Do not say as we that. Did, as we said, it's okay. Oh, no. Yes, it's a... Yes, it's okay if you fall in love with a male mouse, like the dolphin right. paradigm. Fuck. I can't fall in love with a girl mouse. No. Yeah. Well, you could fall in love, but you can't like have Be sexual intercourse. <laughs> I can't do a reverse back. With, no, 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 no. I have been very worried about the bedroom, obviously. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that thing is not allowed in my room. And it, it's not like adhering to my boundaries. So I can't trust that it won't try but to no, come in my no room. No scat. In my room. In your room. Right. Okay. So that's good. But the last two nights, I've slept with my door closed and a towel up against the bottom. Okay. So the mouse can't get in. And I stomp around and I leave all the lights on. What are your feelings about mouse traps? Yeah. So, of course. That's the natural next question. Okay. So you know how I don't like animals? Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't like animals. So. There's a deep, deep paradox with you, which I love, which is we just learned that you did a thousand painful attempts to learn a backflip. Yeah. And then this, this cute little rice is around your apartment. So, oh, God. Oh, ew. They have you so fearful, itch. but you're so strong. If you come face to face with this little girl, first of all, she's going <laughs> to smile at you Ew. and go, I, I heard that you were a mouse too. I'm just here to be your friend. I could poop in a box if you put one out. Wouldn't that be nice? It's not going to poop in a box. Have you tried? Do a There's mini, boxes out. But do a little mini mouse kitty litter, mice litter. Okay, listen, I'm not interested in having a mice a mouse mice as a pet. But why? You and I could take your mouse and my crow to the park. And we could have the darndest time. People drive by and they go, look, this is almost a cartoon. But what if it's a rat? Well, there's what's the difference? That's what, okay, that's what I heard. So I'm really really sticking to that. Like a rat makes a dump? Like a. Well, rats are bigger. Okay. Yeah, I've. Isn't a rat just a large mouse? 
Kind of. Is there a difference? <laughs> you know, I had one when I lived with all vegans in Detroit. You had one in your house? In our apartment. There were four of us living in a, in a three-bedroom. Aaron and I's room was the size of that couch. Um, and the thing would be... You'd be in the living room watching TV, and we had an archway, kind of like your apartment does, uh -huh. the old one. And out of the corner of your left eye, you'd see him. He'd walk into the middle of the thing, and then stop and stare at you watching no. TV. No, yes, until you turned, and then he he would scamper away. Was he a mouse or a rat? A mouse. And of course, none of these vegans would oh. do a mouse trap. So these. Creative sons of bitches. So we had at most times in our kitchen, we had a bucket with a ramp up to it and peanut butter at the bottom of the bucket so that the mouse would go up the ramp, see the peanut butter, jump in to eat it and couldn't get out. Oh. And that worked. And then they released it outside. Really? Well, guess what? He just came back in, you what know. The fuck? <laughs> How's he getting in? Look, the, there's all kinds of little cracks in your um your sink, right? Yeah. And in fact, I'd, I'd hearken to guess that's where it's coming from because your sink has holes for the plumbing to go through, right? And it's, oh boy, you're pinching your nose. I hate <laughs> this so much. Well, in cartoons, they make a little cute little arch in your um floorboards. floorboards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your baseboard. I think this little mouse has big round eyes. <laughs> I didn't invite it, him in. Her. He know him because he's entitled. He came uh, in without asking, and then he pooped everywhere. Listen, use some of your contacts from the tiny cooking show. Tiny kitchen cook-off. And get them to build you a tiny little litter box. Because <laughs> if you can get her to just go pooty in the little litter box, then what's the problem? Dex, it's you could unsanitary. Have a also, she could alert you if she heard a noise. She could jump up on your bed and, and go, squeak, 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 in your ear. Stop. And you would turn around, what, what is it, Glenda? And then she would look over at the door, and then you would go look through your peephole. It'll, it'd just be a DHL person. Yeah. So everyone could go back to sleep. But she could be a, a second set of eyes and ears. They have really good ears. You should welcome this. I'm not. You could train them. Okay, so then no. movie Willard. Oh, or or the little mouse that drives a Stuart car. Little, yeah. Oh, yeah, Stuart yeah, yeah. Little, your favorite. Yeah, Seth's favorite. Or he hated it because of how it ended. Yeah, mm -hmm. but you liked another little critter. critter. Little critter. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Oh. Ew, it's making me itch. Okay, so uh, then I guess then the the hard question is: Are, are you how open to I? a mouse trap? Um. Or do you want to try the peanut butter bucket? They no. have humane ones. Do yeah. that? Yeah. And then you just let it out and it goes in someone else's house. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you bring him to like the top of the observatory and. Bring him. She will have no knowledge or experience gathering food. He'll get eaten by a hawk immediately. <laughs> yes, that's true. There's really like, when you think there's a humane way, it's, you know, I don't know. They don't it might belong be, in, might be in pipe the dreams. home. By the way, I don't, you should look up the life expectancy of her. This may be something you just have to deal with for a year because the life expectancy. A year? Or get a cat. <gasps> oh, do you want to borrow? Do you want to take whiskey home? Whiskey will not. No, be whiskey caught something in our house. I thought they had gotten in a fight because he had blood on his mouth, but it turned okay. out they caught presumably a little mouse in our house and ate the whole thing. <laughs> oh my God. <clears throat> do you want to borrow whiskey? Maybe. I mean, Laura offered her cat. Oh, cool. Don't you think it's a little bit simmy that you're a mouse? <laughs> of course it's simmy. And a mouse simmy. is now brought 
herself to you to you to Himself. be friends. Do you think my crow friend's going to be a boy or a girl? I think it'll be a boy. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Which kind love, of... I love a little mouse. Come on now, Wobby. <laughs> no, I already told Monica that my crow's going to pick up her mouse and take... Her flying, like for fun. They might the throw rubbers I meant, back. I meant actually love, like friendship. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd be cute if they built their if own friendship. If we had friendship. videos of a crow being nice to a mouse. Yeah, it'd be yeah. nice. But I think the crow should come and get the mouse and bring it to you as a present since they do that. Okay, but Get rid right. of my mouse and do us all a favor. So I guess back to the hard question. Are yeah. you, what, are you, what kind of trap are you going to use? I mean, I guess a human... I, so I, I emailed my landlord immediately and oh, it was like, urgent, okay. pest. Well, um, I feel like I called a lawyer. <laughs> and... What if you called the police 911? <laughs> I mean, I, I was so close. I was so close. Um, and then I thought, oh, maybe I should... Because, okay, sorry. So the cats, I, the cats were offered, but I don't like cats. I don't have cats because I hate them. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll get little, like, you know, the Halloween decorations that are like cats and you put them in the front yard. Mm, that's not going to work. But sure. like a scarecrow, <laughs> but a cat. You know, like there's like these. Like, I know. Cats. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they're, they're, they're up on their backs are arched. Yes. Yeah. And they're like kind of fuzzy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought I could get a couple of those and put them out. Mm -hmm. Maybe the mouse would be scared. Not going to work. What if we go over there are and she's sure? got 200 animatronic cats <laughs> just all over and all you house. get all you can hear when she's trying to go is like, mm, 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 mm. That's, that's preferred to finding rice a couple times a week. Rice, Dax. I can't have mouse poop in my kitchen. Well, right. You it's would so unsanitary. <laughs> so unsanitary. How could I cook in there? Well, you're not going to be cooking, preparing anything on the floor where the droppings are. Think of them as droppings and offerings. No offerings and droppings. An olive branch. When I was on my walk and I was really spiraling, yeah, I was texting with Laura about it, and she was offering the cat, and she said, "Don't worry." They don't, like, want to be seen. Like, you won't right. see her, him because... Unless they find out you're a vegan, like they found out in my apartment, right. then they do want to see then you. They, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She said, you won't see them, and they don't like people. And I was like, okay. And then I started thinking, like, oh, maybe... Maybe I should put some blow-up dolls out, kind of like in Home Alone when he has, like, those blow-up dolls and he's making their hands move. Yeah, but I, I don't think that's how they detect you. I think they smell you probably. Oh, fuck. Okay. I don't know. I can't imagine their eyesight's all that incredible. Most animals' eyesight is pretty shitty. Maybe I could get some of Laura's cat's pee. Uh, oh, God. Now you'd rather deal with the <laughs> smell like of pee. cat yawn? That's my most hated smell, cat yawn. When you walk into someone's house and it's like, ooh, that's cat I yawn. I know, it's a horrible smell. Yeah, it's a real pungent But yawn. maybe for now I have to. Okay. Ladies there. Okay. <laughs> Good. What did your landlord say? Deal with it? She said, okay, I need a little more info. And I was like, what more info do you need? There is a mouse in this a house. <laughs> There's two mice And they now. could do damage to your apartment. So also, come on. Okay. And then I told her about the tomato. Uh-huh. And then she said, she, okay, she's going to see how she fast. Go, oh, now I believe you. Now I believe you. Yeah. That's what she thought. <laughs> she's yeah. going to see how fast she can get someone in. But I haven't heard anything. I got to check in today. Oh, so they're going to turn this over to an exterminator. You're yeah. not going to get hands on at all. I don't, I don't want to. That's my goal is to not have to. Okay. Because what, what do you think about the bucket trip? Trick. I like that, but will it come back? Because it likes the peanut butter? No, it oh. can't get out of the bucket. 
No, but I mean, you said that mouse came back. Depends on well, where you put it. Right, because they right. released it in the parking lot next to our apartment, <laughs> and then, of course, it came right back. <laughs> this is the thing. I mean, kind of a little tiny bit parallels our, our last conversation about Ukraine, which is like... <laughs> Some people don't like to accept that, like, there's not a nice option on the table. I know. You know what I'm look, saying? Look, so I you're going to release it where? I don't care. I know. I, 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 I'm sorry, but I, I don't. I know. I know. <laughs> I don't want to. I can't I say that, but that's the truth. Well, I can. hate you it. Can. Lady might kill it for you. Oh, Lady would fucking She get would that thing do anything the neck. for me. Yeah. Mutilate it. I don't if she sees it skin it. Thank God. But I don't think she will. What if you came home and there was a beautiful little finger um warmer a finger uh a, f a finger coat. A mouse rug. Yeah. Like a bell <laughs> rug with a mouse with rug. toothpicks on it. Like you can keep your toothpicks on this now. She like a coaster. Oh, a mouse coaster. She would kind of uh, it, it really is funny too how much it um it, like uh, their cuteness, how much that factors in. Because like a mouse is cute. Now, if you're talking about killing a rat, everyone be like, yeah, kill that fucking thing. I know. Cockroaches, fucking kill them. Butterfly, don't kill a butterfly. Let it fly around your apartment. It's just all cuteness. I know. It's not fair. It's not. Which is why I'm fine with like killing them all. Just kill them all like God sort them out. <laughs> oh, boy. Man, you have the most eventful, non-eventful <laughs> life of any person I've ever met. It's incredible. Such high drama all the time. Like three little pieces of rice, and it's like... it's. It was more than three. And there's emails sent. There's like calls made. There's... <laughs> Once you notice one, you start seeing it everywhere. The poop was everywhere. Bader it was Frequency illusion. There was one... Area that had a pile. Come on, what's a pile? Three like, pieces like of rice. Six pieces <gasps> of rice in a clump. Oh! See, she was trying to keep it all in one spot. So okay, uh, let me just scale them. this up, and this is my last thought on it. Okay. So on Earth, there are people that are twenty-five times as big as us. They have these huge houses, <laughs> and then little Moni lets herself in, and they leave the most yummy pastas out <laughs> at night. <laughs> And then you get in there and you have your little outfit on and you, you eat some of that yummy pasta and you're so happy and it's warm in this big house. And then you're like, oh, I got a pooty. And then you go pooty and then you go into your little cranny, your little nook, and then you go night night. And then that thing would want to kill Monica. Stop oh it. my Stop God. It. What kind of creature would want to kill Minnie Mouse? They should want to if I poop on their floor. Where else are you going to go, Monica? You're too tiny for the toilet. If you got up on the toilet, you'd fall in and drown. You can't even swim. <laughs> Think about this. My God. Have some compassion and some empathy. Stop it. Stop this little mouse. I feel bad that there's I bet your little mouse. all over my fucking apartment. I right bet now. this little mouse tried her hardest to learn a rollover or whatever <laughs> tricks a mouse can do a barrel roll. <laughs> Oh my god. She's out on her own in LA. She found a warm little place to with fresh tomatoes left all over the place. You should make a little tiny litter box and have little tissue globs so it can wipe its hiney. <laughs> I can't. I can't handle it. Mm, what an update. Well, the good you know, this is gonna be our first to be continued Seinfeld episode. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Also, this is a sweater that got shrunk. But it's a new one. Or no, that's no, the shrunk this version? No, this is the shrunk. It was, over, the it was oversized now. It's cropped. <laughs> it works great now. It's still fine. When you walk in, I said, what an incredible sweater. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get into some quickies. Yeah, copies. let's do some quickies. And then I have to correct this because you were explaining me yeah, to yeah, yeah. Monica and you said that I grew up in a small white town. Okay. 
And I don't think it's fair. To Duluth. Yeah. I don't think it's fair to say that. How brown was it? So now, we'll say Uh, now. Then I'll go back. I have also that. Oh, my God. Now, the white percentage is 42%. It's 42% white. Oh, my God. They're the minority. Well, no, that doesn't mean they're the minority. A lot okay. since I was in school there. Well, okay, so the Asian population there is 25.4%. Okay. That includes Indians, I'm sure. It doesn't, but yeah. Yep. Black or African Americans, 22.6. Oh, wow. Okay. And so it's a multi ethnic. Uh... Other race, 6.8. And in 2019, it was 29,370 people. Okay, so that's a very diverse town. It has gotten extremely diverse. If I were to guess, Milford was 98% white when really? I Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, according to the U.S. Census 2000. Okay. And this is when you graduated? I graduated in 2005. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay. The white population was 68.6%. okay. The black population was 11.8. Okay. So we're at 79 Hispanic, 9, and Asian, 12.8. Wow. So we've, okay. we've really grown. Right. Okay, so it's grown a lot, and I should stop saying that because it was definitely. Yeah, I mean, 68%. Yeah, so, but a third, oh, almost a third of the folks were not white. Yeah, it also, though, the school. Let me go back. I'm going to fuck this up even more for you. Okay. This is going to defend you. I bet if you went back to 87 Mm-hmm. So you were probably the, the vanguard of that movement. So actually your age group, it probably wasn't that high, but probably there were a bunch of kids and young kids born at that time there that augmented that. Yeah, number. yeah, perhaps because it started slowly changing. Right, because if you went all the way back to 1980, yeah, I'm sure it's Much. 80% white or whatever. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so it's changed a lot, which is great. Well, I got I to gotta change the story. Well, I was looking for, because you were talking about a sign of intelligence as holding two conflicting... Thoughts, emotions, yeah. And so I was looking up other signs of intelligence, but I got nervous because I couldn't, like, the articles were, they weren't that good. Well, the implicit problem is, is like, does anyone agree what what a measure of intelligence is? Because the IQ test, the specific IQ test really skews... Towards white people. Yeah. And Asians. There's a lot of things that like if you have a, you know, a dedicated caregiver, it has an impact on this and that. Mm. The questions you get asked culturally change. Yeah. There's all kinds of ways that white folks Excel have at. conventionally talked, questioned their kids, all these things. It's, there's just a lot of different things. I'll just give you the simplest example. The Samoans, they carry their children out. So they hold their babies facing the world. Oh, I see. And we hold our babies facing us. It's a very weird, simple thing, but it changes a bunch of cognition, facial recognition, um, comfort with strangers, outsiders, your community. Like something as simple as whether you carry your baby facing you or to the outside world has all these different. Why do we hold facing us so they feel safe? I would just be guessing now. So I don't want anyone to quote me on this. But the Western world had this weird phenomena driven a lot by the Catholic Church to get people into single family housing. So originally, when we all lived in groups of 100, we lived in a 
generally there would be two housing setups, men and the women. The men live together, the women live together, or multifamily dwelling where your aunts and uncles lived in the house. But there was this great drive for people to start thinking of themselves as individuals. There are still cultures today, if you ask them to describe themselves, they will say daughter, sibling, a lot of things before they'll say mathematician. Yeah. Right? So it's changed the way our brains work in that we identify with ourselves, uh, with our immediate family, and not this group of 100 people. But when you live in a group of 100 people and there's other groups of 100 people surrounding you, knowing who is your group of 100 is the most paramount thing in the world. Yeah. For us, it's knowing who mom and dad yeah, are. Yeah, Because yeah. that's the only people that are going to be involved in caretaking for you. But if your whole little community is such that you, it, the quicker you know who's in and who's out is that's life or death. And then it just... It changes the whole way your brain works. Wow. This is a, a lot of, some of this stuff is in that book, The Weirdest People on Earth. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I want to talk to that. Speaking of little babies. Yeah, little tiny ones? Yeah. Uh, um, uh, I, I, I met Vincent. You did? Yeah. When? Last week. Yeah, one Tuesday, Wednesday morning? Yeah. Last week, Tuesday, Wednesday morning? Yeah, he's a little You went cute. there and yes, met him? Yes, I held him. <gasps> he weighs one pound. <gasps> <laughs> oh, he's so cute. I want to meet him. Oh. Yeah, come over. Yeah, I'll come over. But also, maybe he can come over and maybe the mouse will come out because it's another small, mm. small thing. You, you want Vincent to capture the mouse? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Um, Anyway, all right. Well, that's it. Oh, um, okay. That was really fun. Obviously, not very many facts. It was very cheer heavy. That's right. And again, she probably knew what she was talking about. Yeah, well, I knew too. You guys knew what you were talking about. <laughs> so I didn't have to check because uh, yeah. I already knew. Yeah, ooh, that was so fun. Yeah, that's incredibly fun. Oh, well, yeah, all these sports that there's judges. I almost, knowing myself, I don't know if I have such a victim mentality or whatever it is, but it's why I don't want to do print interviews. I don't want someone deciding how I am. And so I can't imagine giving my all to a sport that, is dependent on not me jumping six foot eight and a half versus six foot eight, yeah. but whatever. I would they saw an interview with me and I seemed cocky, or they I walk into a place in a way that triggers them. But that's interesting that you feel that way because I feel the opposite in a bad way, I think. Like I like other people signing off on me or yeah, like giving yeah. me approval or saying she's awesome. But you like approval too. I do, but we took such different routes in life. I think yeah. about this all the time. Like I was like, I'm going to be exactly me and it's going to be polarizing. Right. And it, and it has been. Yeah. Like if you interviewed everyone from my junior high, certainly 40% of people hated my guts. And so I think I know that I am a polarizing person that people aren't going to like. Some people are going to love and some people are going to dislike. But you've been great at, at making everyone like you. But don't you think you want everyone to like you? Oh, I would love to, yeah. but I'm realistic about the fact that the right. path I chose, a big crazy mohawk, a lot of people aren't going to like that. Yeah. And then some people are going to love it. Well, it's also funny because you always think people don't like you. Like you're like... 
Because yeah, a lot of people but, didn't, you know? But, yeah, but I guess that's what's interesting is in your head, that's like an option. Like, people either like me or they don't like me. And so you're kind of deciding that about people. Like, oh, that person doesn't like me. And when I'm like, what are you talking about? That person likes you or doesn't know you or whatever, but you you see the world like that. Well, and even when we just, Aaron and I went back and were with Jack for a few days. Yeah. He said... Yeah, there were a lot of guys that told me they wanted to kick your ass. And yeah. I told them, you can't as long as we're friends. Yeah. And so, like, I know. I know Nate had friends in Hollywood that fucking hated me. I, that's probably not the case as much anymore. Yeah. And I need to probably shake a lot of that. But I think I would have been naive to not recognize that I was a polarizing character. Interesting, yeah. I'm a loud, attention-seeking dude who's not ever joined the right way to do it. And that people hate that and people love that. Yeah, I don't think there's a right way, but yeah. You know, like a yeah. prescribed way. Yeah, yeah. No, yes. I, I see what you're saying. Interesting. It is all interesting. Yeah. I love you. Love you. 